add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare It's good to live Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry Welcome to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Folks, I hope all is well. You're keeping fit and healthy. On this week's show, we're going to bring back Pat Dively. Uh, he was super popular in our episode before Christmas, and we thought we'd bring him back, get to know him a little bit better, spend a bit more time with him, and uh, give you some insights into Pat, into his life, into business, into career, and also just get to know him a little bit better too. Pat Dibley, welcome back to the Real Health Podcast. How's it going? Delighted to be back. I appreciate you having me back. And uh, I enjoyed the last episode. It was good to kind of just bounce ideas. And yeah, I love these conversations because it opens up stuff that maybe you don't think about yourself. And, and that's how we learn is through conversation and through storytelling and through just the podcast platform, I think is a big thing. For, you know, obviously you're seeing the success of your podcast and I think it's given people information right on their doorstep. So it's brilliant. One of the things I pulled from the last uh, time you were in, and I still do it, is I moved my social media apps onto the third screen of my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's massively decreased the amount of time I click on them. Yeah. Um, and it's a simple little swap, but it's actually it's actually worked really well. Yeah. Tell us about you um, and tell our listeners about you a little bit more um, in terms of, I suppose, life. You've yeah. had a... Journey is a word that's used very, very often, but I'm going to use it here because I think you have. I think you have had. I, I've I've tracked you since you were in Dublin. Tell our, our listeners a little bit more about that and about how you came to get back to Galway, how the business started, and then I want to take a little bit how you've gone from, I suppose, the, the fitness end of it to the mindset end of things as well. Mm, yeah. So take us on that that journey. Yeah, I suppose I used to tell this story all the time because I was always afraid of public speaking. When I started speaking, I would tell my story and it was my comfort zone. And so I told it for two or three years. And then I ended up doing a TEDx talk maybe three years ago and I did the Late Late Show off the back of the TEDx. And after that, I kind of boxed it off and I said, no more of the story. You know, I, I don't know if it's helping people anymore, but now I meet people and they're not familiar with my background. Sometimes you assume, I guess, that everyone's heard you um, because you've done it so many times yourself you're so used to it but my background was fitness was the passion from the time I was 12 or 13 uh, I grew up bullied a little bit in school and when I got into fitness and weight training and martial arts it was the first thing that gave me confidence and looking back I can see the reason we get confidence from fitness is because we have to do it for ourselves and we do the work we see a result and that's where confidence comes from but uh, I told myself from an early age I want to own my own gym that was always my dream you know yourself, fitness wasn't what it is now, back 15 years ago. And uh, it's just gone crazy the last couple of years. So it didn't seem a realistic dream. I did an arts degree, which I had no interest in, but uh, it seemed like a sensible option for a guy that was a bit lost, didn't know where he was trying to go. And every summer I'd go off to the States. I wanted to be a cage fighter. So I trained full time as a cage fighter out in San Diego on a J1 visa. And I was exposed to kettlebells and TRX and all these different fitness trends, which we would later see. And that kind of inspired me to go and become a personal trainer. So I did that on the side. I went back to college and did a master's in nutrition. And then I moved to Dublin. So I was this guy from Galway that was moving to Dublin. And I had spent my life with people telling me you can't make a living from fitness. And I was adamant I was going to show people what was possible. 
And you were the only guy, to be honest, at that time who was really standing out. There was maybe a handful of those guys like Dominic Monelli. Who's, who's actually coming in to chat to us today uh, for another episode of the podcast. Yeah, Dominic's a great guy. But there was, at, that, at that time, there was very few. There was kind of... John O'Connell was around. Yeah, that's right. There, there, was, there was a handful of guys that were making a real living from this. And there was a lot of guys that were maybe working in gyms and scraping by. And so I wanted to be one of the guys obviously making a living. It was my passion and everything else. I worked in a few commercial gyms in Dublin. Then I went out on my own. I was 23 and I didn't have any network up here. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything about business. Uh, I was a bit all over the shop. I didn't really have a clear vision of what I was doing. You know, I was like any young man. But at that time, there was a lot of ego as well in retrospect. You know, I wanted to be significant. I wanted to be important because I didn't believe in myself. And so I thought that was a running theme for most of my life. I didn't believe in me. So I thought that if other people uh, gave me acceptance or approval or validation, eventually I'd believe it. And ultimately I found out that wasn't true. But So you, look, so you looked elsewhere for that kind of pat on the back? or that kind Yeah, of yeah, it was always, um, yeah, yeah. I always say I wore a lot of masks in life. And when I was in school, I would look to what cool people wore. And I was like a chameleon wearing what other people would wear. When I was in college, I used alcohol as a mask. When I came into the real world, I thought success was the mask. And if you got success, then everything would fall into place. And it was always this kind of I'll be happy when story that I would tell. So ultimately, I failed with my business up in Dublin. Uh, I spent 18 months kind of letting on that I was doing really well on social media. I would train the models for free, oh, trying, yeah. to, trying to get into People the new service. People still do that. And I think, I, I think listeners listening in, it's something to be really aware of, not just in the fitness industry, but in all uh, industries. Um, it's very, it's so popular. Uh, we get models emailing us all the time. Oh, train me for free and I'll give you coverage. Uh, no, you yeah. pay like any other client. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just something that we, we haven't done, but it's, it, it happens. My friends back home would say, Pat trains models and he never comes home. He must have made it. Now, in reality, I was working in a clothes shop in the ILAC Centre, um, which wasn't what I wanted to be doing, but... Uh, that's what I was ultimately doing. I was living down on East Wall Road, struggling to pay the rent, didn't really have any paying clients, was too stubborn to go home. You know, my parents had kind of said to me, Pat, maybe you should consider getting a real job or whatever, going back to college, doing physiotherapy, something that's going to... And I just was adamant it wasn't going to happen. So Christmas Eve came and ultimately my dad rang me up. He said, you know, what time are you coming home? Your brother and sister want to see you. And uh, I broke down on the phone and, and I said, I don't have money to get the bus home. I'm not doing as well as I let on. And it was hard for me going back to my dad. Your dad is the guy that you look to and you want to impress and you want to appro- get approval from and everything else. And he loaned 15 euro to get the bus home for me, collected me at the bus station in Galway. I cried for three hours on a bus home at 24. And for six months, I felt depressed and isolated and alone and lost and um, got work in a pizza shop back home. Again, had friends that I'd grown up with coming in saying, Pat, you were training famous, famous bottles and now you're serving pizza. What's going on? But ultimately, I came to the conclusion that if someone else is doing something, there's evidence there it can be done. And so I contacted a few trainers that were doing well. One guy in the UK got back to me and he said, I'll give you a call later on. I'll give you some advice because I wanted to give the fitness thing one last chance. And he rang me up, didn't tell me anything I didn't already know, but he gave me belief. And that was an important thing to to understand. Um, he just gave me energy and he said, you know, train them outside. You won't have to pay any rent and all this kind of stuff. And so I got 5,000 flyers printed up. I advertised a fitness boot camp on the beach in Galway and I started with five clients and it just got very big, very quick. I suppose I, I had 100 clients within three months. I had 500 clients within a year. We opened a gym, brought out a book um, with John O'Connor, who you, knew, you know. And, uh, you know, John was very good to me. He gave me that opportunity. He was funny. He used to ring me up and he'd say, are you still popular? And I was like, I think, I think so, John. And he'd say, we should do another book. But I suppose in the fa- space of five years, through using, using Facebook and social media effectively, I, I built, a, we actually had 20,000 clients go through online training courses, opened a gym, uh, raised a quarter of a million for local charities, um, built a school in Nepal. 
did lots in a couple of years. Very much the the, the, the success story. Look, I enjoyed a lot of it, um, but then I kind of lost the passion, I suppose, for fitness. I was I was a bit jaded by it all. It just wasn't inter- it wasn't interesting me as much. And I think I also saw that. Um, I'd always been into the personal development stuff as well, but I saw potential there. I said, look, if, if I can teach this fitness stuff and you know yourself, fitness is not, there's no reinvent of the wheel. It's all there. And so it is a skill to be able to deliver it in such a way that people say, wow, I want to do this. Because you're not telling people that anything they don't already know. You're really coaching people and you're, you're giving them that sense of belief that that guy gave me when I, I thought I had nothing. And so I, I was doing personal development little talks for my members in the gym, teaching them about goal setting. Um, you know yourself, you've got clients coming to you that say, I lost the weight, but I've also changed direction with my career and I've done this and this and this. And you're thinking, wow, it's, you know, this, this is more powerful than I, I thought. Um, and I, I did a very, a very quick kind of turnaround. I closed my gym. I passed it on to the guy that worked for me. I walked away from the online fitness business. I just walked away from everything and uh, went traveling for a little bit, trying to find myself or whatever way you'd put it. And um, I started giving talks and seminars and, and um doing coaching and corporate work and most of what I do now is centered around those things coaching and it's about showing people potential and kind of what I tell people is you know therapy and counseling and stuff like that is about dealing with your past and coaching is about creating a compelling future and I think that's something that if we don't have a compelling future typically we go back to our past and we all see this with people that say I want to go back to where I was five years ago I want to be in the shape I was in when I was 25 whatever it might be Um, so I'm all about where do you want to be in 12 months and how do we get there so that's kind of where I'm at now it's a brave leap isn't it a successful business a successful profile and then saying you know what i'm packing my bags off i go there's more there's more to life yeah it just wasn't my thing anymore i just wasn't enjoying it and i think what happened to me was i woke up uh, with everything i thought i ever wanted so i'd bought a house you know i'd gone from not being able to pay the rent to buying a house in three years i made a bit got a bit of a profile people knew me there's all these things i thought i wanted and i was saying jesus i still don't feel good because i feel like when things go wrong externally in your life it's normal to feel a bit sad or a bit down or a bit lost. But then when everything falls into place, you're saying you feel a bit guilty because you're saying, Jesus, I should be grateful for where I am. You feel a bit lost. And what I recognized was I was saying, I've got everything I thought I wanted. But then it wasn't really what I wanted. It was what I, I saw in society. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which might sound a bit cliche, but I, I think it's true for a lot of us. We go after the things and then you can go the long route and go after the things, get the things and realize that's not the answer. Or you can, you know, from an earlier point in life, hopefully do the things you enjoy on a daily basis, which has been one of the secrets, as basic as that sounds. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a scary move, walking away from a physical premises, um, you know, walking away from, even even on a local level, I had 200 members of my gym, and the gym was a real part of the local community. We would go down to the pier and go swimming. We'd go for coffee after our classes. It was a lovely vibe. And I was thinking in my head, you know, are my clients going to think I'm getting big for my boots? Are they going to, you know, am I going to be... You've all these stories, and how did you conquer that fear? Because that, that's so. The first part of your, your your story is the fear of moving to Dublin. Yeah, yeah. And the fear of trying to create that, mm. and then the second bit is the fear of leaving the gym in, in Galway, leaving the clients, leaving the security, the safety net, the 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 the, the, the perceived, I suppose, success if you like, or perceived happiness, because that's what society tells you we should attain. Yeah. How do you get around the fear of that? Or how did you? Yeah, the biggest thing I see with fear with people, because fear is the biggest thing that holds us all back. And the biggest fear we have is fear of judgment. That is the fear that other people uh, won't like us, won't accept us, won't approve of us. And people talk about fear of failure. The reality of a fear of failure is we're afraid of being seen to fail. We're not afraid of failing. We fail all the time. And I always use this silly example of I'll happily burn an omelette in my house and not think a big deal of it. 
but I've been asked to go on the telly and cook an omelette live and I'm saying I don't think I want to do that because of fear of judgment but the secret to fear for me is you have to see something on the far side of it that moves you forward again it comes back to this compelling vision because most people when they think of fear they only see the fear and what could go wrong so example public speaking everyone's afraid of public most people are afraid of public speaking none of the people uh, are the only people that will overcome the fear of public speaking are the people say wow look on the far side of that there's opportunity there's a chance to reach more people help more people spread my message change my lifestyle the people that won't overcome the fear are the people that just look at it and say wow this is a big wall to climb they don't see anything on the far side of the wall I guess and so for me I always looked on what's on the far side of the wall because it's going to be a tough climb to get over it it better be worth it you know if that makes sense. Climbing is something that you've got into. Yeah. I'll pick yeah. up on that word. Mountains, uh, yeah. jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Another yeah. big thing that you've got into. Talk to us about them a little bit. I've spoke to friends about this and, uh, you know, it's different for everyone, but I think some of us, when we're in our younger years, life is a game to a certain degree and this might sound a bit esoteric, but um, when you're young, you play sport and you're not worried about the result. If you lose the game, you get an ice cream. If you win the game, you get an ice cream. And you play for the sake of playing and you enjoy yourself. And then when you're an adult, a lot of what we do is attached to the result. I'm going to do something because it'll give me a specific result. And we lose the element of play. And then we live in our heads and we're obsessed by where we want to be rather than actually enjoying what we're doing. So for me, I looked at my happiest days. My happiest days were doing martial arts as a teenager. And it wasn't about winning or losing. It was just I enjoyed doing it. And then as an adult, again, for 10 years, I gave up on the things I enjoyed doing. And I don't know what the reason for that was. I just kind of fell into autopilot thinking that if I make money, then someday I'll be able to do my jiu-jitsu and stuff, not recognizing that I could do the jiu-jitsu all along. Um, so I always tell people, you know, any goal you've got is attached to a feeling. So the person that wants to lose weight probably wants to feel confident. There's things they already do that make them feel confident. And so if they did those things on a weekly basis, it's really going to speed up the journey. Um, the mountaineering for me is about creating space. And that is like we live in a busy world. There's a lot going on all the time. We've got a lot of mental clutter and noise. When I go on a mountain and I get rid of my phone for two to three weeks and I'm in a tent, it's a lot of space to kind of listen to the inner voice. You know, you've got a, a voice inside you that's always guiding you. But usually there's so much noise coming in externally, it pushes it down. I heard a word recently and uh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Dr. Eddie Murphy, who, who always listens to our podcast, he's been on it before. I'm going to rob it from him and you can rob it from, from him as well. Uh, called forest bathing. I thought it was the coolest term. The basic surrounding yourself with greenery. Yeah. That, uh, and and as, a, as a term, I thought it was a really nice way of explaining what people get from mountains and climbing. It's about being out in nature with colours yeah. and, 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 and trees and all of that. And forest bathing was how we coined it. And I thought, well, that's actually quite cool. I quite like that. Um, folks, you're listening to The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. We're chatting all things health, uh, life, um, climbing with Pat <laughs> Um The forest bathing, yeah, I, I thought it's getting out of the of a busy world it's getting to yeah. a quiet space well there's this theory around wellness which i think makes a lot of sense and that is that the further we move from nature in all things the further we move from health and the closer we can go back to nature the closer we move to health so that's that could be from the foods that we eat to do we move or do we not move to what is our sleep cycle to do we get time in nature to are we looking at bright screens late at night everything is about moving away from nature are we relying on drugs and pharmaceuticals or are we using food as medicine, you know, this is kind of what are the little steps we can take back toward nature. So the forest bathing, I think, is a, a definite, you know, I always think about the beach. You know, if you go to the beach, you always have memories of being at the beach when you're younger. And it's not because the beach is warm and sunny in Ireland. It's because your feet are on the bare sand and you're out in nature and you've got 
fresh air and you're playing. So bringing back elements of that, I think, is is a simple way Earthing. to... Earthing. Earthing, yeah, yeah. It I, seems, I, it seems I cuckoo. That, <laughs> I do that in the summer because I, I got up early before I got into the car to go to, go into the gym. I just kind of walk in my garden with bare feet for five minutes with a cup of tea in my hand. It feels good. My you wife know? thinks I'm cracked. Yeah, She's yeah, like, yeah. What are you yeah. up to? I'm, yeah. I'm kind of just, you know, I'm just kind of hanging out. I think out. if it works, it works, <laughs> you know. I don't need the science behind it. If I feel good doing it, I'll do it. <laughs> Just from chatting to you previously on the first episode before Christmas, and even more so now that we're getting to chat a bit more, there's a real sense of meaning from you. You can almost, it's almost tangible. I can almost feel from you that you're someone who's found the meaning of what they're meant to do, what what they want to do. Is that something people should spend time trying to analyze, trying to find maybe? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the question then becomes, how do I find meaning and, and it's definitely a, it's an evolving process all the time and I'm sure I'll look at myself a year from now and say I didn't have a clue but that's what it's all about but to me meaning is everything and you know people the word spirituality sometimes gets people rolling their eyes or feeling a little bit confused or maybe associating it with religion and having negative connotations or positive whatever it is but to me spirituality is can I find meaning and purpose from my life and from my work someone who's lost all hope in life can't see purpose or meaning to their life. They think they don't mean anything. And I, yeah, that's where I was when I was in Dublin. I was in a very low place. I didn't think the world would be any different without me, to be blunt. Um, I lacked meaning and purpose. And you know, you see people that become disillusioned with their work because they don't see any purpose there anymore. So or, you know, a simple thing I've been talking to people about that recently on the work front is if you're there to support your family and pay your mortgage and, and things like that, don't take that lightly. That's an important thing that you're doing and you're changing the world for your family. Get some pictures of your family and put them in your work environment so that when you're going crazy, you can look up and you can say, this is why I'm here. So everyone talks about why do you do what you do? And it's 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 overly important. It's hugely important. And I say like motivation is something people talk about all the time, but it's very temporary. Motivation is you can will yourself to do something in the short term. I can make myself drink two liters of water because someone told me to, my trainer told me to. Inspiration Motivation is like your phone. Your phone's got a, a battery life that's a certain length, but it's going to die after a certain period of time. That's motivation. It only lasts a little period of time. Inspiration is plugging the phone into the mains, and that is finding meaning. Why do I do what I do? Okay, I want to I wanna feel amazing in my body, and I want to show my kids what real health looks like and vitality looks like. That'll keep you going, probably. So tapping in, yeah, why do I do what I do? And I always tell people then if you're lost, because people are lost sometimes and we, we all get lost sometimes. It's funny at my seminars, sometimes I'll say, close your eyes and put up your hand if you feel like you're in a transitionary period of life and every hand in the room goes up because we're always evolving and changing. Um, but I tell people if you're lost, even at your hardest time in life, your heart is beating and there's something making your heart beat and there's something looking after you and there's something looking out for you and it might not feel like it. But the fact that you're here is evident that you're supposed to be here. And there's a lot of people struggling in life and, you know, you don't know what's going on in the people around you's life. And if your only meaning is to brighten up their day, that can add a lot of value to your life. The meaning I get in life is from trying to be a leader by living the things that I talk about rather than trying to be an expert at everything. You know, I, I want to I show possibility. I want to show not being afraid to change and lean into what excites you. I want to show, you know, that life is for living. You don't have to fit into the box that you've always been in. It's great to try new things. It's great to put yourself out there. It's great to wear your heart on your sleeve. You know, a lot of us wear masks. And again, the only reason I can talk about any of these things is because I've been the most flawed individual in any room that I ever speak in. I've been the one that w that's worn more masks than anyone. And so I can show up now and say, it feels good to show up as yourself. And it gives other people permission to do the same, you know? 
And it's, and it's getting around the fear of that, which I think is something a lot of our listeners will associate with being them true selves because they're afraid of it. Yeah. Um, one is finding your why. Mm. So finding the why you get out of bed in the morning yeah. and making sure that it's the right it's the right reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What other tips would you have then for people? Action is important. So I always tell this story about a friend of mine back in Galway and we ran a retreat years ago. And at the time he was an attendee of the retreat. And at the end of the retreat, the guy said, we want to jump off the diving boards as a kind of symbol of jumping into the next chapter of life. And so one by one, the, the attendees jumped off the diving boards. And I had done it lots of times before, so it didn't bring fear to me. And that's the same with Anthony. If you've done lots of public speaking, you're no longer scared. He had never jumped. And so the first time he jumped, it took him 20 minutes. And we were all waiting and we were getting cold and everything else. And what I recognized from him being stood on the diving board was the longer he stood there, the scarier it got because the more stories he told himself about what was going to go wrong. And the same is true of any change. The longer I would have waited in the fitness industry for the perfect time to leave, the more stories I would have built about why I should stay there. The other lesson I learned in that was I told him after 20 minutes, I said, I'll give 100 euro to charity if you jump in the next 10 seconds. And he jumped very quick. And that showed when it's about more than yourself, you'll tend to get out of your own way. And then funnily, a week later, he was in a pub in Galway and he saw a girl across the bar and he said, wow, she's beautiful. And he didn't use those exact words, but he said something to that effect. And we said, go and have a word with her and say hello. And he wouldn't do it again. And again, a 20 minute building stories in his head. So to come back to your question of fear. Did he get the girl? She, this was the thing. She walked over, <laughs> looked him up and down and she said, are you the guy that was on the diving board last week? <laughs> but fear feeds on time. Yes. And action is the only way to bridge the gap and to actually move yourself forward, no matter how small the action. Again, coming back to why do you do what you do and find a purpose and meaning in your life. If someone's completely disillusioned in their corporate job and their dream is to go to Bali and be a fitness instructor and learn or yoga instructor, that, say that's the dream. A lot of people have this illusion that the dream starts the day they open the yoga studio. For me, the dream starts today. You turn up to your corporate job and you know why you're there. I'm here because by being here, I can put 100 euro aside this week. That feeds into my dream. And suddenly you show up with a new sense of purpose. You're more excited about the work that you currently do. You see a dream and that's, that's success. Success is moving in the direction where you're trying to go. What I see in really successful people is they don't lie to themselves and say, someday I'm going to be happy. They say, I'm going to do little things today that move me forward. And the people that feel stuck are the people that have a picture in their head of what success looks like. And because they're not there, they beat themselves up. So it's putting a time frame on your fear. It's making it a little bit more precise. Say, so I'm going to leave my job in four weeks. Yeah. As opposed to I'm going to leave my job sometimes in the future. It's making it more like, almost like running a marathon in some respects where there's a deadline and you break that deadline down into smaller deadlines and you keep, hit the smaller deadlines, they become the bigger ones and, they, and you run the marathon. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Similar, I, t- I talk thing. about the GPS and I say, look, if I'm coming from Galway to Dublin and I've never done that trip before, I leave Galway, I put Dublin in the GPS. It doesn't spit a thousand directions at me once and expect me to do it all at once. It says drive 100 meters and I do that and the next step appears and the next step and the next step. So I would say 12 months from now, where would you like to be? What would, what would you like to have different? And a nice way of doing this, I always encourage journaling. I would say to someone, if we were to sit for a coffee 12 months from now and you've ha- you'd had the most amazing year of transformation, what would have happened? And they start mapping it out on paper and there might be them saying, wow, this is not that far away from where I am, particularly when I break it down. And then you don't need the perfect plan for this. You just need, okay, well, one of the things I wrote down was I'd love to have earned a diploma in something. Okay, well, maybe tomorrow or this week you can go and get a syllabus and and have a look into that. And that's one step. And in our moments of decision, everything changes. Like you going and getting a syllabus for a college course might seem like a small thing, but that's more than maybe you've done in 10 years for your education. And suddenly the ball is rolling. And 
it's like anything, momentum, the hardest bit of anything is getting going. Once you're going, you know, confidence comes from actually doing things. And as we build confidence, we really, you know, get moving. So what does the future hold for you? you you've talked about everyone else. and I'm, I'm always fascinated by people who are doing what they love. And from the last, from the very first time I met you, which I went to one of your courses in Galway. And I remember emailing. I was like, this is a really weird thing. I email him asking, can I go? And then you said, oh, come on down. I was like, well, look, this guy's cool. I was thrilled um, you were there, yeah. But, you know, and there's a real sense of, of contentment and happiness. And, and even listening, our listeners will be able to get that from me. It's very powerful. What's next? What's, 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 the, what's the, the GPS from here? I, I, it's funny. I don't know. Um, if I can continue to do a lot of the things I'm doing, I'd be quite content. I've, I've kind of found this is something I think we talked about in the last episode was the day to day. The magic is in the day. You know, uh, if I tell myself 90 days from now, I'll allow myself to be happy because I've achieved X, Y and Z. And going back to when you would have attended my seminar three years ago, I never regret anything or I never think, oh, I was stupid back then. But I would have a very different message now. I think back then it was about let's set 10 goals and go after the goals and stay consistent. And it was very regimented and there wasn't much feeling or emotion thought, thought about with it. Whereas now it's more I'm going to climb a mountain hypothetically or you know uh, hypothetically speaking i'm going to climb this mountain go after this goal i'm not willing to be miserable on the climb to get to a go any goal i'm going to enjoy the climb so for me it's enjoy my day today one i might as well put it out publicly one of my big dreams i would love to sell out the olympia for a mindset seminar at some point so that's going to happen at some point i'll make myself accountable not for the achievement of selling out the olympia but how magic it would be to have 1200 people in a room from ireland looking at their life and what they could potentially do because it's cool like the fact we're having this conversation is cool the, how, how much the world has changed in the last couple of years and people coming out and, and talking about their goals and what they'd like to achieve and this future based thinking but I just want to have happy relationships I want to enjoy my day to day I want to inspire people through my actions and not my words and uh, I just want to enjoy life and express myself as honestly as I can in every moment so when I'm scared I'll leave people with this maybe as a, as a thought. Courage can only exist when fear is there. And so we try to run away from fear sometimes, but fear allows you to be courageous. And courageousness is something that really makes you feel alive, I think. Folks, if you haven't gone deep in thought from listening to our conversation over the course of the last half an hour, I'll be very, very, very surprised. Um, if people want to find out more about you, tell them, tell us where we can, can listen to you, see you, hear you. The Olympia date to be confirmed. Uh, <laughs> Instagram at Pativly, Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm all over the place. Pativly.com then is the website and uh, just shoot me an email or a message if I can support you with anything. And again, like last time, I appreciate everything you've done and I appreciate you leading the way for people in fitness in Ireland because someone's got to do it first and you were the first doing it. So um, I was scared thank you. just like you. <laughs> I was like, right, because at the time there wasn't a brand. And I, I uh, walked out of Smurfit Business School halfway through an exam, had a panic attack, walked out and I was like, what am I going to do now? And there was no brand at the time. And, and so I said, well, I think we could build up. There's a, a gap and got very, very lucky along the way. But um, no, it's I agree. It's great to, to watch how, the, how things have come full circle and even having the, the, the chat. We've several times tried to have lunch together, have <laughs> coffee together. It's never happened. Or we stick a podcast in and it, oh, it happens. And it's great. It's, it's, it's really good. And the key thing is about empowerment. Yep. That we bring guests on the podcast that empower and improve people's lives. And we're very, very strict on that because we think that's what the, where the podcast should live um, and I think even your own podcast is the same 
I've listened to a few of them. They're empowering. And I think people get that from today's interview, uh, unquestionably. So no doubt we'll have you on again. So Pat Tibbley, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, don't forget to rate and review. We do love a good review or a bad review or any review at all. We're uh, we're happy just to get them. Uh, don't forget, as always, you can listen to our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple uh, Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And we've lots of amazing guests coming over the course of the next year so we're here with lots of guests to come have a great day we'll see you soon Slot. Leia Healthcare it's good to live proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry <laughs>